0: Hey, I'm Pastor Colin from Aletheia Bible Fellowship. Thanks for tuning in and checking out this sermon about work in its biblical Christian context and the value that comes from that work. If that's something that you find is helpful for you and your friends, then please feel free to share it with them and make sure to like and subscribe so you get more notifications for future content like the rest of this month that will be following more about careers. good morning everyone take a seat and welcome to a new month so we've been talking about countering our tendency as people um, for the sin of pride of life in different forms you know sexuality and gender and um things of that sort now we are moving To something that is, I don't know, maybe more everyday, which is careers and jobs and things of that sort. So this month we're going to be going through and exploring those things in terms of how our identity is formed and how we can more appropriately do that in the right area in our careers as we build those or if we just have a job or if we're thinking about our calling and all those related types of things. So we're gonna start out this month with a, a difficult proposition. Let me put a difficult proposition to stomach on the table. Work is good. It's a tough one, sometimes. Gardening is good. Maintaining a building is good. Managing kids and the home are good. As long as the job isn't sinful by nature, it's good. Genesis 2.15, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it, right? That's our foundational passage. Pre-sin, we know that God intended us to work. He didn't intend us to sit on clouds and play our harps all day, and then we were, you know, we broke the rules and we were banished to the
1: prison of earth. You know, that's not how it happened. We are intended. statement to agree with you know instead of the general like work is
0: good period a calling is good because the nature of it um, is from God by definition right but a plain old job is also good by the same nature as is a career to build on because they are from God by nature if we take a second and think about those things and how those outwork in our lives this is far from a given statement in practice though Let's take European countries, for example. Um, they're a little bit beyond us philosophically, as far as moving to the secular, you know, away from Christianity into the secular. They have devalued work, and in some ways, this is a good thing um, because they work less, take a little bit more time off, and um, that can be a good thing. But it's not for the right reasons. Um, European countries have dropped their work hours by anywhere from 10 to 30% over the last 40 years or so. In contrast, the U.S. has dropped our work hours in that time frame by about 3%. And it's been my observation in the world that we are resentful of this. I've heard people talk about, you know, the European, like, work community and ethic and, oh, we should move toward that.
1: That sounds so nice and so on and so forth. It's because... resentful of the pattern of work in the United States.
0: I've heard lots of people at work, like I said, talk about European work schedule and vacation, which is admittedly pretty sweet. Um, For an example, the European Union has 20 days of mandatory vacation per year, plus 12 paid holidays for every country in the European Union. That's a pretty sweet deal. Except, and basically every other country for, or requires mandatory vacation time. Like, there's like three that don't in the whole world. It's pretty interesting. U.S. is one of those three. The U.S. mandates zero paid vacation per year. And a lot of us have experienced that in the retail industry and stuff like that. It's difficult. Um, <clears throat> but this is the risk of freedom, right, of being able to control what we do. That may, there may be no mandatory um, required days off that we're, that we have to take as a country, as employees in this country. Um, but the average for a person that's a year at a company is 10 days paid leave and eight holidays. That's the average, is. well under the world average. Um, and people sometimes feel overworked and resent this. We, as believers, still understand the necessity and benefit of work in general, like practically speaking, uh, but we are slowly but surely losing sight of the value of work in this country. Postmodern culture is shifting, and work doesn't mean as much to us anymore. Work ethic is also dying in that process. You can hear just a coming up, and the different work ethics and stuff that are starting to emerge. And it's super interesting. Um, This is relevant to us. And it's something that as believers, we need to make sure to stand on scripture in terms of our identity and who we are going to be as workers in our jobs and careers and callings. Regardless of how difficult the work conditions may be at the time, regardless of how many days we have off, regardless of all these things, scriptural teaching and our identity in a god who gave us the task of work
1: needs to hold firm so we're going to be exploring that this month work doesn't convenience our lives anymore
0: you know ultimately The average person works for the next day off, basically. It's even built into the system in some points. Like, every day you work, you accrue, you know, 0.08 days off, or something like that. So, you know, every day you work, you slowly accrue time off. And that's a fair system, but it's an association that is unhealthy for us to embrace as believers. We don't work for the time off we work because it's good and productive and we get time off because that is also right and biblical to give to people we're growing resentful of work and this doesn't just come from us it comes from where we come from it comes from the cycles of history even the greek and roman view of work from you know even the biblical times here was largely inspired by their gods it makes sense right their gods the greek and roman gods were managers of their areas they were total jerks they were oppressive they were involved in a lot of evil meddling in their spare time that they weren't using to work and do productive things and this was the roman role model i suppose you could say nice in that culture slaves and poor people as a result they were the ones that did physical work and were seen as rightfully doing that work if you were a free or wealthy person you didn't do work that was below you free men in that culture did art and philosophy and politics you know the higher more virtuous things high mental work and slave management was respected anything less was degrading to virtue not even just a practical value but seen as morally less it's pretty interesting Pretty interesting to compare us now. Do we have a parallel, you know, in the question of college versus trades and the nature of each of those works? I realize I'm somewhat biased, but I have both, so I'm kind of not. Um, Like I have college experience and whatever, and trade experience. Or another parallel might be, you know, in the church, like management versus cleaning crew you know, is one of those things by nature better than the other one or something more to aspire to. The reality is that God is a worker. He worked in creation. He works in providence of day-by-day stuff, holding together the creation by its very, you know, atomic structure that we can't really explain without God. He just to name a couple more things, you know, God is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. He's a carpenter. He's a minister. He's a shepherd. And he's a judge. Like, all sorts of work that he does and takes responsibility for personally, and he's proud of, we're to model the same types of attitudes towards our work and the occupations that we decide and feel called to. God did the high work of art and design and science too, but He also did the groundwork. Literally, you know, He formed the earth and what it is and everything in it. Did He hire or command lower beings to make the earth at all? You know, did He hire or command lower beings to to figure out all the little details of that? That's not the account that we have in Scripture. We have a God that valued the physical and constructed it and built it by his design, and even in his image. He could have done that and hired out, you know, contracted out the lower, more lowly things, but he chose not to do that. It would have arguably demonstrated his holiness, you know, but he didn't do that. God does lots of work, and he constantly maintains the work that he's done and provides for it. So, in Christ, as a carpenter, carpenter, as a shepherd, as a peacemaker, an advocate, and judge, and much more, we see a really high view of work in Christianity. But what we see here on the ground is that our view of work is falling as God's example is fading from our attention and the worldviews of ourselves, if we're not careful, if we adopt where the postmodern culture is going. Our country was built on Colossians 3, verse 22. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. I'm not going to end there. Try to please them all the time, just when they are watching you. Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. Whether we're slave or free, everybody works. Everybody works for Christ as unto the Lord and to serve willingly and to fulfill these different things that God has intended us to do as we tend and care for our own of responsibility that God has given us. <clears throat> and we are not to be ashamed of that. We should maintain that high view of work that came over on the boats from Europe, you know, with the Puritans who founded Harvard and things like that, but also put in the work on the ground and built our country. And we're instrumental in developing the foundation that we were built on. We shouldn't be ashamed of that. Jobs, careers, and callings all have their rightful places in our lives when we keep a proper understanding of each one. So we'll do a brief review of callings real quick. We went over this a couple years ago in 2019. I think it was February. Um, But callings are really related to jobs and careers. You know, a lot of times people mix those and relate them and that's relevant a lot of times. Um, Callings have two basic parts. There's a primary call, which is by, to, and for the Lord. It is salvation-oriented. Your first and primary calling for every single one of you is that presentation of the gospel that you received and an invitation to repent and believe in Jesus Christ and a promise of forgiveness and salvation in that relationship and accepting that sacrifice. That calling is internal from the Holy Spirit inside and external from those around you and by the scriptures. All of that's led by the Holy Spirit. And the secondary calling is a way that God leads us to work out our primary calling a secondary call is the way we respond to the primary call we do it through all different means a call to family and church involvement in the community and our jobs and careers and related words of that nature Um, but those things all must be viewed as a continuation as we discussed in more detail a couple years ago Colossians 3 23 where it says work willingly at what you do as though through working as if you were working for the Lord rather than for people. It's plain, even in that short passage, that work is a continuation of our pursuit of God. All callings are from God and intentful from God, not just pulled out of a hat or, you know, based on karma from your previous life or something like that, as in other systems. But our callings... Are equal in value. God has given us a task, and though those things are not equal in quantity and all the details and things like that, God will hold us accountable to what he's given us and expects us to do right by those things, and all those things are good in nature, and our responsibility is to obey the calling that God gives us, right? So we should act as such and take that into consideration when we are looking at our own identities in what we do all callings are good if they really are from God which is where we go back to the beginning where I said those jobs and stuff that are sinful in nature clearly those are not from God and so that doesn't apply but um aside from those there's no such thing as a calling that's better than another person has for you it's specifically for you God has entrusted something to you specifically and specially. To you, we see biblical little biblical indi- indication that quantity matters in what we do in our jobs and careers and callings. In that in that sense, um, that it's at the very least not our first priority. In 2 Corinthians chapters eleven and twelve, um, when Paul is boasting, is like I'm not going to read it because it's like a whole entire chapter worth of just Paul boasting as he's combating. Um, you know, those, the people that were in rebellion and causing division in the Corinthian church. Um, does Paul mention in that giant list of boasting that he started many churches with tons of converts? It's really interesting, like, he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He doesn't mention those things, although that would seem to be a relevant um, witness to his credibility as an apostle, to responding to his call um, appropriately and legitimately. But he doesn't do that. He boasts instead of sacrifice and God's provision of, you know, how he has personally um, responded and sacrificed and been dedicated to his call. Not that he has all these tallies to chalk up from it and that this proves his worth and so on and so forth. He says that the quality, the nature, the spirit of his investment
1: in his calling is what gives him his credibility. There's lots of indication that quality
0: of fruit matters. Um, Even in Galatians 5.22, literally talking about the fruit of the spirit, you know, as you can apply that to almost anything, and have it be legitimate, because it's the character of God. Does it say that fruit is love and joy and peace and patience, and there must be lots of it to be from the Spirit? It doesn't really say that. It doesn't really say that. It's describing and emphasizing the quality of fruit in the positive. We also see the negative description of that. In Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is by the way they act can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or fig produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit a good tree can't produce good fruit and a bad tree can't produce a good tree can't produce bad fruit and a bad tree can't produce good fruit so every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire yes just as you can identify a tree by its fruit you can identify people by their actions so again at the very least the em- of your investment in your calling, in producing fruit through what God has given to you. The best opposition to this um, concept that I could find is in John 15, verse 1 through 5, where Jesus says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so that they will produce even more. There we have the quantity aspect come in it where the branches, so they produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. Jesus, we see, does value more fruit. In this passage but how does it get there we remain in jesus and him in us producing good fruit and then the father prunes us to produce more and more fruit see it's not our focus in and of ourselves to worry about that so much to produce more and more and more our focus is to stay quality fruit and then he will prune us and give us more and more opportunities to produce more fruit even in this, yeah, that whole scenario, our job is quality, and then quantity through the new opportunities that Christ brings. So, as the Holy Spirit works in our secondary callings, we should be giving most attention to the quality of fruit and judging the value based on quality and not so much on quantity. So whether it's an impressive expansive job or in a humble limited scope we must first value our contributions based on quality first even if our job is to stick one little plastic thingy onto another on a factory assembly line you know or tie up cords right Aiden that's right God is sovereign and he has allowed us to have that job for a good purpose And that should be a valuable part of our identity as far as what we do with ourselves and who we are in god so we should do that well for god himself and take pride in that a job is a specific role or duty and generally one that earns you money we're going to go with that definition for job in this case a job is usually limited in vision and scope and it's used to earn money and meet your needs. Like that's kind of the nature of something that we would call a job. We may use the term sometimes dead-end job, you know, when we're evaluating a position or somebody maybe that doesn't have a lot of initiative and they're sitting in a, in a job <clears throat> and not really having a, a vision or plan for that. Um, Dead end job is something that we don't perceive as compatible with like a career, right? So the question is, do you have a lack of respect for lowly jobs? You know, do you have a lack of respect for food service or entertainment jobs, things that pay minimum wage, retail, jobs that make you work on Christmas, you know, dirty jobs like the porta potty guys that come in with the giant vacuum truck and it smells terrible. Um, don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of that experience or being around that but it's pretty great um factory type work you know assembly lines or being an Amazon worker that's a new thing right that Amazon places are popping up all over the place they pay okay um but it's it's that type of um you know physical like menial job where do we get our sense of respect from you know how do you evaluate those things do you evaluate based on if good money is earned or if there's special benefits like free food, you know, you get free hot dogs and corn dogs or whatever, or uh, you work at Subway, you get six-inch sub every day, Um, or the cool factor, you know, do you evaluate things uh, if they're just kind of awesome in nature, like when everybody worked at the movie theater because it's awesome, or working at a roller rink, or I don't know, whatever it is, maybe you run, like, help run a, a paintball get up or something like that. There's lots of cool things out there, but how do we get our sense of respect
1: for a job? Before we even get to those things, they're perks. You know,
0: perks are not foundational things. Perks are icing on the cake. Your respect for your job should run deeper than icing. Proverbs 19.21 says, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So your heart wants to pursue, you know, short-sighted or dumb things, even if that is something like, you know, just money for the sake of money, and you're valuing it based on that. And if you can't get a raise, then that's the end of the discussion and you're out you know where does the conversation end in your own mind and heart as you're evaluating a job and somebody else's job you know if you're trying to figure out <clears throat> where another person is at so your heart wants to pursue short-sighted and dumb things but our God offers wisdom and understanding in how we judge and evaluate things so a job should provide for you you know you should be thanking God for it. A job fulfills a function in society, and you should be proud of that, even if that's, you know, the person putting orders together at Amazon. I don't know about you guys, but Amazon is an entirely, like, huge part of this
1: world now. But all these pieces, society is made up of a lot of little pieces, and God, just like you, respect for the con- a job provides for others and you should be blessed through that surface see <coughs> a real value in any job Um, but maybe we'll get into that in a short-sighted, short-circuited manner. Now,
0: consists of one job or a string of related jobs toward a single vision and goal and development, right? It, and career is technically our category for the month. So that's what we're going to go with. But we're building up to that because a career involves the concept of calling. A career involves the concept of job all wrapped into that but it's a long-term investment in those things. It entails growth and progress, and that it generally earns more pay over time. Does this make it more honor- honorable or virtuous than a job? In your mind, you know, does a career hold more honor and virtue than a job, something that you'd view as a job? And I would contest to you that without knowing the details of a person and their life and being able to make a more fine judgment on things like it shouldn't the job itself is positive and a career is just a compilation of jobs that you've decided to set into a pattern right so a career should not hold this position of honor for us above these other things that are also positive and from god god has called some of us to have changing or flexible jobs to meet current needs and so a career doesn't make sense in those certain circumstances or what you would traditionally view as a career wouldn't make sense because your life is flexible maybe you have you know a family and you're taking care of kids or you know different um whatever changing life scenarios but those of us who can invest and build a specialty or skill should do that, right? Because that's who we are in God. We are supposed to keep building on things and tending to things and being masters of our areas, like, um, yeah, just having good stewardship over those things and owning our identity as a creator and developer of the world. Being able to, I can't think of the word, but you know, uh, appropriately dominate the spheres of influence that we've given and have responsible control over those. So those of us that have that opportunity should because that's who God is also. Um, A vocation is another word for career like we talked about a couple years ago too. The root of that is vocal, vocation vocal, means to call. Like it's a word for a calling. A career is a calling even in its linguistic nature. So a calling to a career is essentially a God-given field for you to work in and bear fruit in and make progress and and, um, have a vision and intent and direction and contribution But if you have a career, or if you're thinking about a career, do you think of that as God-given? If you haven't chosen a career yet, you know, what are you contemplating? Are you contemplating that with God at the center of that and thinking about your identity in Christ and how that can fit cohesively with a long-term investment of your employment? How can believers do right by this? Many... Many believers think of their career as essentially separate from God. Um, This is ridiculous and foolish and doesn't do right by you or your contribution to society or your example to your children or anything like that. We are meant to be cohesive, integrated human beings serving God in all aspects. Your career is essentially united with your service to God. 2 Corinthians 9.8, Paul says, God will generously provide you all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. If a job is positive and is meant to provide for you and your family and others, then a career can be a good way to invest in the place that God has put you. He's provided you seed and bread to plant and eat. This is literally a metaphor in Scripture, and so we should take it as this, as being more than just that. But it's something that God has given us as resources for us to use and provide for us and our families, to take care of our families as Scripture commands, to take care of other people as Scripture commands, and it will expand. And specifically, Paul tells us and encourages us that our task is now to be generous with that resource that God has given us with that seed, and with that bread that it turns into. All being from God, our task is to now be generous with that resource, for provision, for giving back. And God is then consistent in his promises to give you more resources for good use. As we see again in the teaching of Jesus and the parable of the talents, where they're given money and people um, are investing it, and God gives them more and more if they do right by it. God is consistent in that message. This relationship with God through a career is a real blessing for us if we have the right attitude and embrace the right identity with Christ at the center of a career. Psalm 90, verse 17 says, Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and establish the work of our hands upon us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. We need to pray and ask for this in our life. That God be upon us, be in our work, be in our career, and establish that work. Proverbs 16.3 gives us the wisdom of <clears throat> committing your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. Same reiteration of that, same concept. If it fits in your life of service under Christ, ask for God's wisdom in the right career. And if you are already established in a career ask for wisdom as to how to bring that back into the right alignment and identity with who you are in the image of a working and creating and invested god don't be ashamed to include money as a factor or your interests as a factor or your talents as a factor all of those things are generally speaking, created with you as part of who you are and who God has brought you up to be. They're included in God's design of how the world works by billions of invested individuals around the globe. So we shouldn't be ashamed of those things, but keep them in submission to the nature of work as good in the image of a God who values that, who designed us from the beginning to be engaged and involved in long-term pursuits of tending and caring and taking responsibility and building with all that God has given us to do so. So we need to be moving, regardless of the world's tendency of those billions of individuals that go through the day by day, you know, without moving in their direction, we need to be moving in Scripture's direction and be set apart in that way. Working to be part of our created identity and showing them what that's really about. So your career or job should be part of your identity, you should be proud of it. They are um, It's part of our basic calling as children of God, as disciples of Christ, so this month Let's grow in our vocational identities, our identities in our career callings. Let's not swing the pendulum of that, either leaving God out of our identity in our jobs or undervaluing the good and practical aspects of earning money and provision and productivity for our society, or working in order to not work. Let's avoid those tendencies that we see and realize that we are special, and set apart, and should value these things as unique. No animal has ever produced anything like we do. There are certain animals that that produce stuff. There's even like a fish that decorates his patch of sand, you know, for the female and like puts shells on it and it's like, it looks like a crop circle almost, you know? There's animals that do beautiful things, but when have animals got together and created a society? of of workers like that. It's not the same, it's by nature different. There are things that resemble what we do, but we are special and we should not forget that. And we each have an individual part in that, being qualitatively, categorically different than the animal kingdom. So regardless of how much the world wants to tell us we're animals, let's prove them wrong and show that we are more than that And we have the respect from our God that allows us to embrace that and thrive in our identities. We are made in the image of a God who builds worlds. And our feats are testimony to being created in that image. So let's value our daily contribution as image bearers of a constructive God. Let's ask some questions today. Keeping it simple. Where does your work identity come from? Where does your work identity come from? You know, Is it based on all the little miscellaneous jobs you hopped from you know, growing up and you've sort of learned things and picked up lessons along the way and so you've built sort of this image of yourself or whatever in relation to your work? Or um, does it come from media? Where does it come from? Hopefully, it comes at least in part from Scripture and thinking about that and who we are as workers. But we're all going to have some part of the world in there. Question number two, how do you value different jobs or careers in the world? So, when you're looking out and evaluating, you know, the job that this friend has or this relative or Bill Gates or Elon Musk, is that his name, you know, one of these people, one of those famous people that does big and cool things. Um, how do you value different jobs or careers in the world? What's your mental process on that? And number three, how does your job contribute to the world? Think about it. On that scale, you know, how have you been valuing the things that you do and produce in your? daily job or career or whatever. And that doesn't mean that you have to be making money at that. But how does your job affect the world, you know? And multiply that times 7 billion or whatever our population is. You know, think about it on the grand scale of things and how God has designed us in our instinctual nature to be workers, you know? How do you play your role in how God designed the entire earth to work
1: with its population? So how does your job contribute to the world? Okay.